What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Michael Nowen and Vito Anazelli. We have another great show for you. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Let's jump right into it, boys. we got some Champions League action right now coming up for us. First off in the Premier League, Man City versus Lisbon. Um, Man City's already up 5-0 on that one. Not much to talk about there. <laughs> well, make it make it double digits, 10-0. Can we get to it? What are the odds on that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm down fair. <laughs> it might be it might be plus 100 only. Yeah. <laughs> we off there for a second when you said Lisbon, because that's how you pronounce Leipzig. And I was like, I don't know if he knows who he's talking about. <laughs> I was gonna try to surprise you. I I, I like looked it up like before <laughs> try, try to get that one right. Anyway. Not much going on there. Uh Moving on, we'll, we'll kind of just let that one by. Uh, the big match for the Premier League this weekend, though. Uh, Man U won one on Agri with Atletico Madrid. Mm. The, If I remember correctly, a late goal from Anthony Ilanga. Was it him? Yep. It was. Yeah. It was, right? Correct. Um, amazing draw, uh, amazing result away from home, especially at Atletico. Anywhere in the country. Like, that's it's a great, a hard, very difficult place to play. Do you fancy, though, at home the, with their recent form? I personally don't. I actually think Atletico might take this one. No, I, I think Atletico has this one. We were saying before this tie started, we thought the first goal was going to be extremely crucial, especially away from home in the Wanda Metropolitano, the way that um, you know Atletico defends. But without the away rule now, it's it does it, it, it changes the entire complex because yeah, if, if you're Atletico Madrid right now and the away rules into play, you go out and you search for one and you do a classic Simeone just incredibly hard style defense and you expect that man united wouldn't be able to break them down for two at that point without that rule i think it's it's obviously a lot more wide open atletico have to go searching for the goal because you don't want to play extra time and penalties at old trafford no one wants that with that being said given the form that you're united are in i just don't i don't see how they're going to be able to do it uh atletico had a good weekend they put i think three or four in um i think joe felix had two goals so that they're they're moving moving along pretty nicely and I, I don't think I think it's going to be a close match, but ultimately Atletico should have the edge in this and progress. From what I have seen so far from Man United, their defense—the only way for them to play defense is to play offense. They have to outscore that a team. Do I think they're going to outscore Atletico? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's in the cards. Um, but again, they are at home in Old Trafford. They do have Ronaldo. That guy shows up. Maybe that's what Ragnick was saving him for over the past weekend was for <laughs> this game. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, so be it. But to say that Man U can go in at home, win this game, I think it's very plausible. I think they probably squeak it out because at this point they're not – I think they've even realized like they still have fourth to play for, but this is their, this is their season right here. So I think they were saving Ronaldo for this moment. I think they get get the win at Old Trafford. Um, I don't think Diego Simeone's team is built to play that type of offensive type of football, especially in a, against a team like Man U, where like you really want to put them on the back foot as much as possible. Um, so that's kind of the way I see it. That's fair. I mean, listen, they had plenty of chances this past week and actually to score on Man City. They only put one away. Their their finishing wasn't clinical. Um, obviously, the four one scoreline doesn't look very flattering to them but there was more than enough chances that early especially early on in the game where they they could have put a few more away so it's definitely if it turns if it turns into what mike said like a goal fest i absolutely think manu does take it then um but if it, if we're talking like under two under two goals or two or under um, i'm definitely giving to athletic go yeah i think if you're a betting man though which we are i, I don't see a Big goal fast fest in this one <laughs> i mean big betting fans um another cool storyline uh, Real Madrid, uh, no PSG won the first leg. Possibly no Mbappe, from what it seems like. Decent <laughs> headlines to kind of look at. Per- perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, hold on, hold on. What, Let's not forget. What timing? <laughs> also, no Sergio Ramos. Don't forget. Wow. What are the chances of that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. No, we'll let everyone at home speculate of what, of what that is, though. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, it always is. These are two absolute powerhouse clubs. One – one, the most storied franchise in Champions League history, and the other one that would literally give up their country for <laughs> all the oil <laughs> they own for a Champions League title at this point. 
Um, too soon, man? Too soon? I, I don't know. I don't know yet. Not yet. I don't know. Um, look, Real Madrid, Real Madrid. Carlo Ancelotti is a great coach. They're they're a good team who are obviously flying through La Liga at this point. You fully expect them to, to take the title at the end of the year. The same way you expect PSG to do the same thing in League One. When it comes down to it, though, at the end of the day, PSG is just a little more well put together at this moment. Obviously, the loss of Mbappe is is huge. It can't be understated. But they'll they'll cope without Sergio Ramos. They did for the beginning of the season when he when he wasn't playing for the first couple months. And I, he's Neymar, still not playing. I thought right. What's up? Is he is he finally back? I didn't even think he was playing right now. Right now, I thought he was getting a little bit of game time. I'll have to double check that. But either way, look, Mbappe's a loss, obviously. But the fact of the matter is, you have more than enough talent on that team to go see that match out. I think if if PSG can grab one goal, which I expect them to do, it's not often that they don't they don't put one in the back of the net during a match. Then mm-hmm. I think you have to write that tie off at that point because I just don't see so being able to do that. I, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think on paper. PSG is the better team, but as a team playing to the sum of their parts, that's where Real Madrid is going to outshine them in the second leg, to be frank. I think that with Mbappe missing, it's too big. Neymar's been injured on and off recently, right? I'm not sure what kind of Neymar you're going to see. Um, I think Real Madrid's real engine is that midfield, and that midfield is going to, I think, propel and carry them forward throughout this game and ultimately give them the tie in general. Okay. I like the disagreement, boys. I, I don't, I don't um, know. I, hmm. Look, one, one zero is a scoreline for either of these teams to be able to overcome at the end of the day, I think. It, it's it's yeah. not it's not 2-0. If it's 2-0 PSG right now, like I think it could have been and probably should have been in that first leg, then I think you write this tie off. One, one of those close. I, but I think this is the same instance of United versus Atletico Madrid where they're evenly matched but I think PSG have the edge. You see, I think Atletico has the slight edge when they can see it out. But it's Champions League, anything can happen. Big facts. Let's get let's get into anything can happen, actually. Um, for those who haven't heard, there's a new Champions League format that's been approved for 2024. Uh, Vito, take us into that one. Yeah, bear with me, guys. There's a lot of information here. So Champions League officially ratified a new format for 2024. Um and it's upgrading the teams from 32 teams to 36 teams. But that is not the change to be concerned about uh, one way or the other. They're doing away with essentially the old format of the group, the groups playing each team twice. Now with the 36 teams, every team will be playing 10 matches, which is up from the original six which in the current format. Five of those are home and five of them are away. However, in those 10 matches, those teams will play 10 different opponents. So you, you are going to get a home and away tie with the same team, which is going to completely change the complexity of things. In addition to that, they're changing the way they're allocating the four, four team places, but we'll get into that um, in a little bit. First thoughts here. Um, I'm going to miss the away and home aspect of the Champions League. I don't know about you guys. What happens if you have to play sh- a sheriff at home but you get Real Madrid away. There, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of balance on the quality of teams that you're going to get home and the ones you're going to get away. Do you guys think it's going to affect how much is that going to be affecting? Cause it's obviously going to, I mean, I don't want to play sheriff regardless. <laughs> I don't think Real Madrid want to play sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have picked two better teams for that, for that segment there. Good job, um, the only thing I really think it affects truthfully is you go from six to ten games, you're talking about an extra two or an extra, what, four midweek games for all these clubs? Yes. Mm-hmm. You When you go get into a congested schedule like the Premier League, uh, Germany's a little less because they have a few less teams in the, in the division. Some of La, La Liga, any, te- any any league with 20 teams like that. You're, and plus you have your league matches, you have your Champions League, you'll have cup matches domestically. Like There's a lot of fixtures right there. I don't think we needed an extra four, just personally. I get it. The money called for it they probably got plenty more sponsorship and revenue coming in from it um they got to make up for that gas problem loss of money i somehow. was gonna say they got <laughs> they got ties in russia they gotta figure out how to make their money back <laughs> big facts <laughs> and it's a lot too um so that's the only thing i disagree with i, I don't we'll kind of get into the format a little bit more and like who makes it and stuff and i actually kind of agree with a lot of that so 
but that's my take on at least the extra matches involved. I don't like on on the home and away games. I totally agree with you, Vito, there. And I think it's kind of a disservice, especially to smaller teams. I know we're saying sheriff because you just happen to bring them up. But a lot of times, like seeing those teams go, if you're like a home fan at one of those games, have Real Madrid come there, have Inter Milan come to your stadium, right? That's a massive, massive like attraction for yeah. obviously these like lower level teams, the communities around them. It helps support that. I'm not saying that they won't have the same quality of games from time to time, but it gives like those fans something to look forward to. Like, hey, we know for a fact we're going to be playing the cream of the crop in Europe, right? Yeah. Hypothetically speaking. So I think it kind of takes away from the magic and allure of like that piece of the Champions League in general, for, for my eyes. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit worried about the balance of quality in the home games versus the away games. Because obviously the biggest games you play, you want in your home stadium. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. anyone, you know, everyone, well, if you don't know, pitch dimensions in, in the league aren't uniform. They're not, it's not like American sports like football, every field, every field, hundred yards, you know, X amount of yards across or whatever pitch dimensions vary within a certain range. And that, that plays, that plays a factor of that. And obviously the home field support of mm-hmm. fans plays a factor. So I, I'm curious how they're going to determine who you're playing at home and who you're playing away. If it's balanced, you're playing hard, uh, same amount of hard teams away and home. Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. But how do you make that determination? You know, and then like, would, would it be loss. based on like the coefficient of like, hasn't been released. I would have like, yeah, it's completely random. I would have liked what Vito just said. Like you, 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 there's six, there's 36, right? So six groups of six would have been perfectly fine. You play five away, five at home. I think that would, if you're going to go to that, to this schedule, I think that'd be better and more fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get what they're trying to get at in the sense of trying to put it, you're going to potentially get more top, like more top tier games out of it, I guess. Right. Sure. Like yeah. in a group stage, obviously you have different pots and that's the way they're drawn right specifically to that. So you have pot one, pot two, and like all the teams like kind of laid out for you, which makes sense. I, I get it. But I guess in their eyes, it's like, how many times can we, we put Liverpool up against Real or PSG or Man City and like get those top teams playing. So I guess that's what they're kind of going for more in a sense, but who yeah. knows? Without without getting too much farther into this, because we have a lot to talk about on this topic and, and on the show in, in general, but uh, Steve and I, Mike, before you jumped on, we're also discussing in the current format with six games, right? Three away, three home. It has a lot of pressure onto every game because the weighted value of those matches are so much higher because you have sure. less less games to work with. Sure, it's the same way that I look at the the Bundesliga or League One. When you when you spread these games out over a longer period of time, you add more games. Those little performances or slips here and there don't mean as much. So it takes a little bit of the pressure away, which I think is one of the one of the aspects of this this tournament and this this format at the current stage that makes it so appealing. You have to show up for every game. If you if you lose two matches, like yeah. Real Madrid lose to Sheriff, right? Yeah. They go and lose to I forget. I think Inter was in the group. If they go and yeah. lose to Inter at that point. That is incredibly dangerous territory. The moment yeah. you add four more games, and not only that, keep in mind, they are using these games as point totals. So in your 10 games, three points for a win, one for a draw, the same way as league format. It, hmm. it, it doesn't really have the same type of pressure because you're basically o- almost doubling the amount of games. Do you think that's going to play an effect into the way they're approaching some of these matches? Yeah, like you're going to see people come in with lesser strength squads. It's, it's bound to happen to help conserve legs for the bigger games. A thousand percent. Yeah. A little nerve wracking, but you know, it, moving it, on. Yeah. Moving on. So they're also the way the four new teams are going to be formatted because obviously 32 to 36, the first extra slot is going to be given to the fifth highest league coefficient. So in right now the top five leagues, are obviously we know Bundesliga, et cetera. So that means league one in France their third place team would automatically qualify for the Champions League. Didn't Portugal replace them this year? No, I think they're back now. And by the time next year yeah. comes around, I think they'll be back. Okay. Yep. Slot two is going to be given to whatever league doesn't have automatic qualification and is ranked the highest by UEFA's leagues. Their champion yeah. for that division automatically in. And then the final two spots would be given to whatever team didn't automatically qualify for the Champions League, but has the highest club coefficient in UEFA. So they could qualify for Europa Europa League or Conference League, but since they have the highest coefficients, they then get bumped up to the Champions League. Correct. 
Yep, gotcha. it's only for yep. Even if, if you automatically qualify for Europa League, if you have the highest coefficient overall for the teams that didn't qualify, you're in. I think it's great. I think that portion is fantastic. That's that's probably my favorite rule out of all, out of everything that that's been introduced. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I mean, not much to do there, but essentially what they're going to do is <laughs> it is it is messed up. Only the top eight teams out of the 36 in the point totals automatically qualify for the knockout stages. The teams placed from, what is it, uh, 9, nine to, to 16, 16 think, right? play a team from 17 to 24. And that's how they're going to determine who's going to qualify for the remaining eight spaces in the knockout stages. And is that like a one-off game or is that? Playoff, a, two, a two-leg playoff. Two-leg playoff. That now we go back to home and away. That's yeah. interesting. That's an interesting twist. I will say so, that. I I. I'm not really too big of a fan of this. So we, we went from playing six games to figure out who's going to go on to the knockouts to then we go to 10 games. Oh, wait, we can't figure it out from there. And then we have to go to an extra two-game playoff. Um, spots tw- 25 to 32 is basically like fourth place in the group stage. They're gone. They don't, they don't even get a chance for Europa League. The losers of said playoff then get bumped down, and then the winners obviously go to the round of 16. Um, do you get? I mean, realistically – could we not have just taken the top 16 teams and went did a group stage with that? Like, does that not seem like you have 10 games more, to play? You should be enough. qualified. Right? Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. If you're going to spread these games out over this amount of time with 10 matches, the teams that deserve to be there will have performed Are, over 10 matches. We'll it's that. not a one leg. It's not a one game off to see who gets to the knockout stages. You have 10 opportunities to make points. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't a March madness tournament. Like, like yeah, I, I yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not in love with that. Um, just because what happens if you win like seven out of your 10 games, but you finish ninth because just some of the other teams are cleaning up, right? It's, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, listen, it's going to be interesting to watch because like it's going to be like the for the very first time, we're going to kind of see, okay, what rules did they get right out of that one? Which ones did they get wrong? Is there such a massive gap between eighth, ninth, and 10th or seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th? So like, uh, it's hard to speculate on. We're two years out right now, but I think there's there's good and bad that they've introduced so far. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I honestly, I think my general takeaway from this is the only portion I don't like is the knockout portion of it. How you get to the knockout stages, the way they're doing the playoffs. Everything else I can grit my teeth through or I like, I to be honest with you. It's going to be tough on the clubs, though. I think the extra game told, like, you're talking, if you go to the playoff, you have to an extra six games. Yeah. They said it adds over technically like 100 and something games overall to the competition. It's a lot. That's nuts. That's a lot of games. Revenue, bro. That is a lot. Revenue. Think about it. That two month break from the end of the group stage, like that into the knockout rounds, gone. Completely gone. Hmm. But. They got to make their money back somehow. Yeah, exactly. A couple mil per game at a at hundred games. Why not? <laughs> it's impressive. Um, so that pretty much wraps up everything for the Champions League that we got to talk about. Um, obviously, the biggest news we kind of talked about a little bit last podcast, but Chelsea's sale continues, guys. We've heard the, the, these rumors are amazing. I feel like we got a new one, new a new couple every <laughs> single day. Um, we've heard everything from a Turkish billionaire to Conor McGregor, and now my least favorite of them all. The, <laughs> All right. The New York Jets owner. I am on my knees for the love of God. Please, please (laughs) let it happen. Oh my God. (laughs) That's exactly what that friend. Tell them what happened, Steve. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm literally like I I will I'll hold an emergency press conference. Um, I'm going to be a free agent if this happens for a club supporter. Um, (laughs) everyone start getting the recruiting pitches ready. Uh let me know who who I should be joining um but no, no in all seriousness all right so framing doesn't follow american football um the new york jets over the last 30 years 30, 30, 30 plus years. 60 <laughs> what, what, when did namath win that super bowl <laughs> 62 um, 69 something like that at least uh, at a minimum the yeah. last 20 to 25 years have been more than a mediocre franchise they've won the division i think once maybe twice since then granted i mean they played against the the GOAT, for all those who don't know, his name is Tom Brady. He's a very good quarterback. Um, throughout that entire time, they sucked <laughs> a lot. Um, and they want to buy. You you want to go from Roman Abramovich to, to the New York Jets owner? 
I that's that's grounds for dismissal for like listen you should never like once you pick a club you should never you should never abandon that club. I, I think you get a mulligan on this one. Yeah, I think you do too. Nope. This is you live and die by this decision. Look, there's 32 <laughs> baseball teams, 30 something football teams, 32 hockey teams. You there's hundreds of American sports teams, hundreds. No one is worse on that list than the New York Jets. Literally, no one changed my mind. This is this the is New York ground. Knicks. What? No, I, no way. I would take the Knicks. I would take no the Knicks. Don't I would take them. Okay, for anyone who doesn't know football, put it this way: the New York Jets uh, would have been relegated about fourteen times. Yeah, but they had an opportunity. They're Sunderland. They're literally Sunderland. Yeah, they, they had an opportunity <laughs> to sign a generational quarterback, a once in a lifetime quarterback, right? When he was playing for Clemson. All they had to do was not win their last game of the season, which, by the way, they've gotten one win all year at that point. They win the fucking game and they miss out on, on the generational quarterback. That's the type of organization coming soon to you. <laughs> I, I, I got all the support, Chelsea, but like, I, it's so, like, right. I don't think Rome would you, can do that to the, do that to the fans. Would you rather have Stan Kroenke as your owner? Kroenke. I'm not even answering this. I'm not dignifying this <laughs> question with the response. I, I'll take Kroenke. I, I don't care. I'll say it. I don't give a fuck. I, I'll be an alcoholic by the end of the week at that point, but regardless. Anyway. I'd be a diagnosed alcoholic at that point. That's what yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, yeah, I just – give me back Connor. Yeah. Those are more fun. Those are more fun rumors. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving be, on. It's going to be our start the proper section. 12 stand. <laughs> What's up? It's going to be renamed the proper 12 stand. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% okay with that. <laughs> uh, moving on, we'll cover our stars and stripes sections, all the United States men's national team players and some coaches um, from around the world. It's good performances in general. Uh, first off, Christian Pulisic comes in with a goal and an assist and a 4-0 win over Burnley. Um, the goal was a stroke of luck, kind of just fell right into his path, um, very fortunately from a deflection. But um, the assist was absolutely gorgeous. An inch perfect, inch perfect uh, cross with his weak left foot to a Kai Havertz header. If he's in form like he is right now, man, I'm liking our chances in these qualifiers. He's going to have to step uh, next up, up in the World Cup qualifiers yeah. with Weston out now. thousand percent. He's getting more consistent absolutely. game time, and he started to string it together. And, and who would have thought more game time would mean better performances? Not me. <laughs> I never would have thought that. <laughs> Dumb idea. It's just working. <laughs> Uh, next up, Josh Sargent didn't do much of the weekend against Brentford, but he did have another assist against Liverpool in the midweek FA Cup match. Um, we'll kind of get to him in a little bit when we talk about West being hurt, but um, possibly a far out replacement. Uh, P Folk, another game, another goal, nothing new there. John Brooks, 1-0 clean sheet, 100% winning his duels, five clearances, four recoveries. Um, if we don't see him in New Jersey, I'll be very mad. On a side note with him, he's leaving Wolfsburg. He is. He is. Big what, news there. What do you think? Where do you think he goes? Does he stay in Germany? That would probably... I think it's his best decision if he has that opportunity. Yes. To what team? I can see like a Borussia Mönchengladbach team coming in for him. Gladbach. Um, is Dortmund love... center back still, still good or no? I would Look, personally love to see him. For team right now, basically. If him and Chris Richards just happen to get together at Hoffenheim. I was thinking that too. That would Don't be, forget Hoffenheim. He's actually on loan there. But, yes, I would agree that would be dope as hell if they – That would be both pretty damn cool. There. Just saying. Um, but, yeah, no, I think Germany's probably his best bet. He knows the play. He knows how to play there. It just why, – at this point, let's see, 27, 28, why change the league's uh, yeah. World Cup year and all that kind of stuff coming 29. Up. Wouldn't make sense. 29? 29, yeah. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't make sense to switch the leagues at this point, at least at, like, this time for him. Yeah. Um, Aaron Long, a name we haven't said in a while, picked up a goal and a 4-1 win for Red Bulls. Um, might be back on the come up, and we'll see maybe a little bit international page later on. Um, Ethan Horvath kept his starting position, one again um, for Nottingham Forest. Good for him. He was been on the bench since basically his transfer there. Um, and then a suspension to the starting keeper gave him a little chance for the job, and he's, he's taking advantage of it. And then last but not least, we already alluded to a little bit, but uh, Weston McKinnon is out for the rest of the season with his broken I think he has two broken metatarsal bones. Yeah, one foot. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, like I said, I, 
this is kind of a little farther out there for some some fans who aren't crazy about switching players from different positions and stuff. But I really think Josh Sargent would make a very good replacement in a like-for-like role, being a box-to-box midfielder. I don't think it'd be horrible. Obviously, you got Luca De La Torre, um, another great one. Personally, I would rather just see the switch to the formation, uh, go Adams and Yusa at center defensive mid, and then put Aronson at center attacking mid. So you go like a 4-2-3-1, pull stick on the left, way on the right, and then whichever striker you want to go with. That'd be my personal opinion, which I think is best. But since Greg loves the 4-3-3, um, wouldn't be shocked if we got Sargent in there. I think it'll be De La Torre's position to lose in this training camp. Uh, I think he showed enough against Honduras where he has a little bit of the spark and X factor that they would want to see from where McKinney would have been. So he's also a great ball carrier in general when he's dribbling. Yeah, I, I think it's De La Torre's as well. No, I think it will be, but I'm just saying you got the three matches within a week. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see Sergeant called up and placed there potentially. I would be shocked to see Sergeant called up. I'm going to be honest. I really? do not. I do not think. I think he should be in the team. I don't think he'll call him up. Right. I'm with Mike with this. I. I don't. I, well, to be honest with you, I'm not even 100 sure if he, if he should be in the team yet. I think he's definitely on the cusp of it, but I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll be called. Not in the last round. Him, Pifo, Brooks. I don't think any of them get called. Yep. Uh, P. Folk and Brookstone, I'm raising hell. I'm walking straight into fucking Burhalter's locker room. You won't even get into the building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think you know. Who I'm pretty sure if I just change my hairstyle, I could pretty much look like Paul Arillo. I think it'd be good. Uh, you you kind of could pass for him a little bit. <laughs> I could got the beard a little bit. Just get the little slick back hair. I don't know. I think, you know, a little wig action. Yeah, all right. He loves him. So, I mean, obviously, I'll get in. I mean, that's not, that's not even a question. Um, <laughs> Let's over to the Premier League, though. We had a great week of matches. Uh, first off, on a midweek match, Burnley nil, uh, Burnley nil, Leicester 2. A little bit of dash in the relegation hopes. And on top of that, come the weekend, they lost 4-0 to Chelsea, so that didn't help either. Um, Leicester won 1-0 to Leeds. Ashton Villa 4-0 Southampton. Don't worry, both teams start scoring eventually. Um, <laughs> Newcastle 2, Brighton 1, Norwich 1, Brentford 3. Big game. Uh, that Crystal big, big game. Massive game. We'll, we'll, we'll get into them all a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Crystal Palace, 2 0 over Wolves. Wolves had a very tough week and a half, two weeks lately. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool won, uh, 1 0 over West Ham United. Watford, 2, Arsenal, 3. Watford gave it their all on that one. Um, they might have scored two goals the rest of the season. Man City, 4 <laughs> 1 winners over Man U. And then Mike, want to take this last one for me? It's just a 5 0 win. That's all it was. That's all it was. Uh, okay. That's all it was. Okay. Casual slacking for Spurs over Everton. It's not saying much. <laughs> Casual for Everton, not so much for, for Spurs, maybe. Yeah. Um, let's, let's hop right into these. Uh, Leicester 1-0 over Leeds. It was Jesse Marsh's first game where Americans were going to be biased about this one. Let's kind of dissect it a little bit. Um, cool scenes at the end with the team coming together, uh, You know, doing a little circle around the pitch, holding arms, kind of showing a little bit of unity, and they know it's going to take a lot. What was your take on them? I actually thought that was one of Leeds' better performances in a very long time. Leeds looked a lot more stable than they have in yes. recent weeks. Uh, I think they were very unlucky, honestly, not to get a, at a bare minimum a point out of that game. Um, I think as long as Leeds keep playing like that, those opportunities will fall to the right people and they'll put up the goals. And like we said the other week, the only way for them to stay up in this league right now is to just outscore as much as they can, get that goal differential as low as it can to zero. Yep. Um, they were on the right track. It's just they let up a shit first goal, honestly. So. Yeah, I, that game was that game was about as even as it gets. I mean, even from a statistics perspective, if you, if you look up that game, um, just about everything was split down the middle with the exception of shots, which Leeds absolutely dominated. He's couldn't get enough of them on target. I, I'm, I know they lost 1-0, but I'm almost more so happy that they only let in one. I mean, this is a Leeds <laughs> that is considerably leaky at the back that we've been saying all year, and that pretty much everyone in the Premier League has known for two seasons now at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, so the fact that they were able to kind of clot that bleeding a little bit as quickly as they did, even though it's a lesser team misfiring this season for the most part, is, yeah. is a good sign for them. And I, I think Marsh is going to get them under control. I, I still, obviously, they're close to the relegation zone, but I still believe that they have enough quality in that team and, and enough experience to, to kind of weather the storm at this point. 
Did you see uh, any of you guys see Gabriel Obonglahor? He was in a, on a talk show in, in uh, the UK. And after the game, he made a comment about like the circle that you were referring to, Vito, at the end, saying like how he thought it was very cringe at the end to like watch the players do that. I was curious. Obviously, we're going to have a more biased take here, but would you find that cringe, like being on the field and kind of huddling together like that and hyping each other up after the game? Or would you rather somebody do that in the locker room and keep it out of sight, out of mind? It's got to be very forced and staged. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it probably was. But you know what? I'm still okay with it. Even if it is staged and even if it is forced, this is this is Premier League football. You have a duty to the badge on your chest and you have a duty to the fans that put their ass in their seat and, and come and support you every weekend, regardless of your performances, no matter how bad they are, which is obviously leads are. So even if it means you have to do, you have to get out there beforehand and stage it and promote it. At least they're still showing a level of respect to their fans that like, look, we know we are screwing up left and right, but we are fucking here and we're going to try our best still. That's what it said to me. Um, I, I think what happens in the locker room is more powerful than what you're going to see on what you saw on the field. If it did happen in the locker room, that is, but I still like to show solidarity for the fans to know, like, look, we're here and we're going to still going to give it our all at all times. Yeah. Now I, I, I can see it being cringe from the outside perspective. Absolutely. Um, it just like, he had to like go round everybody up and like bring them in. It just seemed, I don't know. It just seemed a little off. So that's, that's, that's the only difference. Yeah. I, I guess. I mean, at this um, point, do whatever the hell you can do, right? Whatever's hey, going to fix if the that, problem. If that circle keeps them up and they start doing prayer circles after every game, so be it. Look, I, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but they're, they're about one bad result away from pulling a Ted Lasso and, and Vu sacrificing uh, their, their most loved <laughs> items in a fire. In the room, okay? <laughs> whatever they could do at this point. They're doing the rain dance. I don't know. Whatever you have to do. <laughs> Get some points. Absolutely. Um, another big result at the bottom of the table, Norwich one, Brentford three. Norwich probably getting relegated. And by probably, I mean, they're getting relegated. <laughs> Massive result for Brentford. Um, they're probably what two to three wins away now from like pretty much guaranteeing safety. I would say they're close. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're on the cusp. I mean, we said it last week. Norwich had to win this game if they had any aspirations. I know, I think the next couple games they play still some other teams in the bottom half that they could steal points off of. But this just felt like that end all be all game. Like you have to make a stand. Like this is your Alamo moment. And they just shit the bed. Um, I think it's, you know, a metaphor for the rest of Norwich's season, honestly. Um, I think that's it. That's, that's all she wrote for them. They're going down. As much as I love Norwich, love Sargent, wish. He wouldn't have to go through another relegation battle like that. Um, I don't see them being able to stay up at this point. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're six points behind Leeds with the same games played. I just don't think they're going to have enough to make up that difference by the time the season's done. I know, technically speaking, Everton's five points away from Norwich, but with two games in hand and the quality that Everton hasn't been saying all year, it's just – Mike's right. I mean, this, this We've been it. saying that for a while, though. I know. Mike, Mike's right. This, this was it. This is, this is the only other team near the relegation zone that could possibly go down, I think, that they could possibly try to catch and jump. And that loss is just – that's terrible. Basically, I mean, if they were to have won that game, they'd be four points behind Brentford, three behind Leeds, and then play Leeds this weekend. If they were to somehow pull off the two straight, this would be an absolute ridiculous finish. But those are must-win games. If they do beat Leeds – you're three points back. Your goal differentials are both crap. I, you can make a case for it logically, right? With 10 games yeah, to go. Logic points. Yeah. But, well, I mean, but by the eye test, happen, but it's, I, it's, I think it's, 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 I think it's too far to reach. You can't be this out of form after 27 games. Like they've been all year, obviously. And, and hope that you're going to make it up in less than one third of the season. We've seen great escapes before, but this one seems like it's uh, would be too the greatest improbable. Of all time. Mm. Yeah, it's too improbable. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, another massive result: Liverpool one nil over West Ham. They keep pace with Man City at the top of the table. Um, my thoughts on this one: West Ham could have easily won this game. I don't know if you guys saw 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 the whole ninety minutes, but the amount of chances that they had, 
like one-on-one with the keeper ridiculous amount that like Fornals had a chip shot missed it i got cleared off the line mikhail antonio had at least two point blank opportunities like the list goes on and on they could have stole three points here yeah alexander Trent alexander uh had the assist for the first goal i don't think he meant it personally i don't know if you guys saw it or <laughs> I, I think he was. I think it was a shot, and Mane saw it was going off target. I was like, I can get on the end of this. But with that being said, to your point, Steve, Allison got lobbed at the other end of the field by uh, Pablo Fernandez a couple minutes later, and Alexander was up back on defense, cleared off the line. They, they definitely could have snatched a point at least up in this game, regardless minimal of what the point. stats, possession, yeah. and shots say. Yeah, I think it's indicative of West Ham season in general. Like it's kind of just what you expect, like a. Liverpool are going to win those tough games because they're Liverpool and that's what two B potential champions do. And that's what championship teams have to do in West Ham. Like we've been saying, I think they're running out of gas. I think mentally they're getting more fatigued. I still think Antonio, like we talked about prior, they need someone to help back him up and burden that load off of him a little bit, whether it's Bowen, whether it's Fornals, mm-hmm. they have to put those chances away when they fall to them in general. So, yeah. So, Obviously, this is huge results given the gritty nature of this match. You know, one out grinding that out in terms of the title race, you know, keeping the pressure on City. Um, capable of game in hand right now, right? Six points behind. But does that loss put West Ham out of top four in your eyes? Obviously, again, anything can happen. Premier League, they're not that far away from it, of course. But right now, do you think that yeah. that's a major, major blow to them? Yeah, thousand percent. Arsenal's three games. We'll get to them. I was going to bring them up next. It's Arsenal's to lose. They have three games in hand over pretty much everyone below them. And they're already in fourth. And they're already in fourth. Now, they have a couple top teams they have to play. Chelsea, I think Man U was on that list as well. So teams around them. But three games in hand, points ahead already. Yes, West Ham can do it. They can turn it on. Mikel Antonio can go absolutely ape shit for what? A goal and assist the next five games straight. Yeah, he can he can do that. He is more than capable of it. Mm-hmm. I, I they're Jekyll and Hyde though the entire year. Like I don't know if you're gonna get you're gonna get an amazing team one week putting away chances going forward. Like if you took if you give me the West Ham of last year before they died out or even like some, and you and you see those bright parts this year in their good in their good games. Yeah, they could easily make the top four. They just they have so many terrible performances though at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah. being a fan of them hurts right now. I can only imagine, but I'm very curious what they see to what they do next year, though. Like, like Mike said, running out of gas is a perfect example. They might have ran this like their window for a top four push is probably the last two to three years. Yeah, this this one probably being the last. Yep. Yeah. They're gonna retool. They're gonna get a little younger. They're probably not gonna be. They're probably gonna be uh what maybe between that nine and twelve range next year. Do you think more? Than I mean, do you think Rice stays if no. that's the case? No, Rice is gone. Sell up, sell him now. Rice is gone. He's, there's, there's no way he's staying with. There's no Champions League football. They're honestly on the verge of not having Europa League football at this point because Tottenham has more games in hand. Man United's in front of them, and Wolves could easily pull a string together if they want. If they, you know, they get it together at that rough week, which we'll talk about. I think Rice goes. I think he's at a stage in his career where he is has the ability to play in those big games, and there's more than enough clubs that are want to sign him. I mean, I honestly think that three teams above West Ham right now, Chelsea, United, and probably even Liverpool could use him at this point. And I think if the price is right, I think he goes. I think he So from right. what Vito just said, he's going to City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I put the jinx on everyone else. <laughs> he's like, the Jets own Chelsea? Nope. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, if they – if. I, we're predicting this right now, right? He's we're pretty sure he's going. If they use, if they get the right amount for him, and they use the funds so correctly that they fill it in every gap in their team, yeah, they can retool and be back at it next season, no doubt. Odds of that—that's a big if. Highly, it's a very big if. I mean, we thought Villa would do that this year, and not to say Villa haven't performed to where we thought they'd be, but you know, like it's not easy bringing in a bunch of new players to a new league potentially. Um, people who've never played in the Premier League, so. Yep. Correct. And ironically, they took um they took innings from Southampton and look who's above them in the fucking table. <laughs> yeah. Jokes on Danny Ings. <laughs> so 
Um, Watford two, Arsenal three. We just, we kind of already touched upon it. Arsenal in the top four. I would say it's Arsenal's to lose now at this point. You guys disagree with that or? I totally agree. It's a thousand percent theirs to lose. Turn the pressure on Arsenal. Let's see how they react. They're in the driver's seat. Um, I Mike's honestly, throwing the jinx out there, baby. There's yeah. jinx. <laughs> well, the jinx. Uh, no, but I mean, they in particular. I mean, they're they're playing very very attractive football. In all honesty, they they look really really well. They're moving like a well oiled machine. It's wild. Once Aubameyang left, it's like all the bad voodoo, the bad juju left with him. Aubameyang's doing great in Barcelona. Arsenal's doing great without him. Yeah, you know it's. And for Sometimes anyone, the locker room presence though can kill, like can kill a team. Like yeah. the vibe, just every, everything about it. Like I've been, I've been in, I've been in locker rooms growing up where like it sucked, and then the next season, like a couple guys change in and out, and you're like, holy crap, this is, <laughs> well, what, what's right. going on here? Yeah, they're playing to the greater sums of their parts at the end of the day. Like, and whoever, for whoever didn't get to watch that Watford Arsenal game, please go back and watch it because there were like, of those five goals, four of those were absolutely gorgeous. All three of Arsenal's goals were beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, that was an overhead kick, right, by by Chucho in that match too. It's a bike. Mm-hmm. It was an un- unbelievably unbelievable goal. Saka had a great performance too. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. And uh, last, I mean, there's kind of two big results. You had the Tottenham five nil, but I mean, we could bury we can bury Everton all all we want really on that one. Um, but the Manchester derby, four one City. Man, you had their chances, but it didn't. City, they I mean, the second run. they scored that goal, the first goal, it was it was over. Come on, were you expecting anything different? No, like, I wouldn't. You, I you wouldn't saw, say that at all. You saw you saw them deflate, man. No like, way, man, no, no way. Man, so, man, you responded very well. The twenty minutes after that, got the goal, and I feel like Man City was like, "Ha ha, we're just kidding. We're, all right, we're gonna turn it on now again." <laughs> and then, you know, it the felt like United came happen. out of that dressing room with their whole entire game plan going. Sit back in the vent, hit him on a counter, pick the draw out. And no one in the world is better at picking a team apart that sits back in a compact defense to defend than Manchester City. United didn't have a shot, not even on target, not a shot that entire second half. Yeah, it was a pitiful second. Was it really that bad? Yeah, yeah it, it was. Really it, they, 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 do, uh, they do charts in the Premier League showing like um, goal expectancy like every five minutes based on like, you know, a bunch of different factors like possession, where the possession is, et cetera. United's like didn't even move. It, it had nothing for 45 minutes. There was a picture online circulating of Ederson just sitting there at almost like the midway line on his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was knitting. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Well, what do you, while we're on this topic, what do you guys make about the reports that Ronaldo was completely fit and was just dropped for the match? His sister liked the post suggesting it. And rumors are flying right now that I think I, to my point earlier, I think a thousand percent he was fit. I think a thousand percent they're playing for the Champions League and he's saving him for that game this upcoming week. You think it's that or do you think it's just because his perform his goal scoring uh, performances lately? I don't know. Yeah, dude I mean, hasn't scored in, in, since when? I don't know. I I've also I don't have I don't have the games in front of me. It's been close it's to been 10, a while. Right? Things over there. It's been very un Ronaldo esque, put it that way. I mean, there's I also mean, a lot of rumors about the tension between him and Harry Maguire, who's the captain, and it, it must maybe it was a decision between our star player, but the captain of the club. And apparently, there's a divide over his performance right now, which is ridiculous because there shouldn't be. They're absolutely shit every week. There should be no divide. It should be one way. Who, whose performance? Harry Maguire's Harry performance Maguire's. or Ronaldo? <laughs> no, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. There's there's a rift between players reporting right now about his performances. How how? That's one of those locker rooms I would pay serious <laughs> amounts of money just to just to kind of be like a fly on the wall right now. Just kind of like absorb. absorb I wish Amazon like, was doing their documentary about Manchester United oh, this season. Oh, that'd be great. Like a hard knocks version of it. Just Yeah. Oh, absolutely would love that right I now. I really do not envy whichever coach they bring in there next. <laughs> Rumor is Eric Ten Hag. I mean, I, I would I love Eric Ten Hag, to be honest, but he's a great coach. Don't envy him to be at Man U, though. No. Uh, what's that one line in Taken? Just good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. That's for the next Man U coach. Moving on. Yeah. We have some good, uh, good midweek matches and some weekend matches coming up for the Premier League. Um, midweek, well, a lot, a couple, a lot of the bottom of the table here: Wolves, Wofford, Leeds, Aston Villa, Norwich versus Chelsea. So 
any of them could possibly pick up some points there. More than likely, I would say Leeds. They're at home to Villa. Um, best chance there, Norwich, Chelsea. I mean, mm-hmm. Chelsea plays down in the competition half the time, but I think it's a little too much. And then uh, Watford just scored the most goals they're going to score the rest of the season with two, so give Wolves a 1-0 victory there. Yep. Um, Saturday, a couple, couple big ones. Uh, Brentford versus Burnley. Yeah. Thoughts on this one, boys. That's a that's gonna be a good one. This feels like a trap game. I'm gonna be real. For by who? that for who? Yeah. By with that, I mean for trap each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. <laughs> it's like, no, you take the ball, no, you take the ball. <laughs> uh I honestly think I honestly think Burnley get a win here. I think this is a game that Burnley, like we say, it's just one of those games where they fight it out at the very end. This is the type of team they're going to pick up points against. Um, I think Brentford is not able to to get it done in this game, to be frank. So they are on the back of an Ivy and Tony Hattrick. Granted, two penalties were involved in those. Um, I just like to see you're on the, you're back on the Burnley and Sean Dyche train there, Mike, because I was I was a lone survivor for a little while when you you and Vito both abandoned the ship and uh, got, glad to see you're back. I do agree with Mike. Uh, it feels like a perfect match for Burnley, a team that struggled offensively in Brentford going forward um, for the longest time. Burnley doesn't really allow too many goals other than this past weekend against Chelsea. Um, it feels, yeah. It feels, like the type of, it feels like the type of game where they just had the sh- send in a ton of crosses and there's just Burnley guys standing there heading it away. And, Let Veghorst yeah. do it. Veghorst, yeah, exactly. He's going to yeah. get on the end of one of them. No, I, I look. I I still think Burnley's going down. That's not going to change my mind. Maybe a result here would do that, but I think Burnley were unlucky in that last, not in the last match, two matches ago against Leicester City that we touched on earlier in the episode, where they lost two zero, but they didn't give up a goal to the eighty second minute. Like they they had a pretty staunch defense and they played pretty well. And I think they were unlucky to let two go in in the last eight minutes of the match. They could they could at least grab their the usual draw yeah. there. Yes. I, I think that Burnley's performances have dramatically improved their last like four or five matches or so. And I think that a couple of the results have reflected that as well. I think this is a match they, they could get all three points of. And it's to me, it kind of feels like the same position that Norwich were in when they played Brentford last week. Mm. Win this match at all costs. Mm. Because you're not going to have many absolutely 50-50 winnable games at this point in the season moving forward to get the points to keep you out of the relegation zone. I think if they don't, if they lose this game, I think they end up in the same position as Norwich. Where it's just like, it's might be too little too late. Interesting. Um, it's cool to be wrong about Burnley going down. That's fine. But <laughs> they do still play Norwich, <laughs> Watford. Listen, I'm I'm full. I'm gung ho. I'm 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 all aboard. I, I'm not I'm not abandoning ship like you did, or at least Mike did. Uh, I'm I'm feeling Burnley. I'm they're surviving, baby. Um, they do play Norwich, Watford. This game against Brentford is massive, though, like you're putting up there. Newcastle, we pegged as like the coolest last game finish, barring like they you know with the Chris Wood transfer and everything. But with where Newcastle is currently at in the table and how much they've been pushing forward, not saying it's an unwinnable game for for Burnley by any means, but it's much tougher than what that game looked like. Yeah. Pre-January. Never uh never doubt a revenge game. I'm just gonna say that. All right. People come dip people play differently when revenge is on the line. Next up, we have also a big match between Man U and Spurs, especially for well, possibly top four if they both start pushing forward a little harder. But um, more importantly, obviously Europa League is getting into Europe. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, Spurs are definitely the better team in form compared to Man U right now. Man, um, I think it's going to be telling based on the Atletico Madrid game this week. If Man U win that game, I think they probably beat Spurs at home at, against Old Trafford. Uh, if they lose that game, I think that hangover will carry over versus a informed Tottenham team. Um, after Spurs won 5-0, again, it was against Everton, but um, it's obviously a good momentum to bring in, so... It'll be a, it'll be a good game nonetheless, especially you know after what happened last season when Spurs visited and it was a nice six one, six one win. So, well, 
I think Mike picked the wrong game to designate his trap game in the Brentford one. If there's <laughs> uncertainty, death, taxes, and Spurs losing after a big win, okay? Taking that from your playbook. No, I, I mean, look, Sun and Kane are on a different level right now. They're, they're the all-time leading combination in Premier League history, like Mike pointed out a couple weeks ago when that happened, or a week, week and a half ago, whatever it was. But I – I just think I just think they don't. This is the this is the two most inconsistent teams in the league, in my opinion. I know what we talked about with West Ham. I know we talked about West Ham and, and things like that. I get that, but when you talk about teams that have the amount of quality at the as these two, no one underperforms and overperforms like these two, in my opinion. I think it's going to be tough for the backline of United to really cope with Kane and Son, especially if Veron's not playing him like he wasn't in the Manchester derby. Lindelof and Maguire are going to, uh, well, I should say Kane and Son are going to have a field day. With Maguire and, and Lindelof. While they put in good performances, Lindelof, not Maguire, at times, <laughs> I just think it's going to be too much in that front line. That seems that Antonio, Antonio Conte is finally figuring out how to get them firing on all cylinders. I mean, putting up three against Man City, putting up five against Everton, it just seems like they're getting back into form. And Kane now has, I think, eight goals in his last 12 league matches. So he's obviously finding, finding his touch again. And it's. Even if Manchester United carve out opportunities, we've seen nothing to suggest that they have the composure in front of net this season to finish those off. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest question mark in this game is Spurs' defense and how they're able to cope with that pressure, in my opinion. Because I, I think you'll you'll expect Tottenham to get their chances going forward. Um, I'm just wondering defensively if they'll have – the verve and the ability to hold stern versus a lot of attacking potency, right. That man you possess. Um, I think that's where like this game is really going to be won or lost in my opinion is like to your point, Vito, can they finish those chances when they crop, pop up? Cause I do think they'll probably get a couple in the game. This feels like a very offensive, actually the game to me, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw four to five goals easy. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think both teams understand that their place in the table is they're, – they're both so so mid-table in terms of, like, the top six race that this is a huge result to either send Spurs down farther and pretty much guarantee they don't make top four for the most part or the exact opposite with United. So the same way we're talking about the relegation battles and teams having to pick up those wins against teams like, like Brentford playing this weekend against uh, – was it Burnley? I think it's the same thing in the race for Europe. This is a must-win game for both teams if they want if they want to go up. Agreed, agreed. Kind of get into uh, what Vito just said though. We also have Leeds hosting Norwich right now. Um, just as important at the bottom as well. Who wants to call that one? Wait, anyone wants to? <laughs> uh, Leeds, Leeds win it. I think they get the point that they the three points they've been searching for here. The good old manager sack bump, you know. Yeah. Finally, get a hit this week. Uh, I would like to agree with that as well. Again, USA bias right there. Jesse Marsh hopefully picks up his first three points as Premier League manager. It this team needs Bamford back, man. So so yeah, so bad. Yeah. And Cal and, and Phillips that. and Phillips in midfield. But I think they they do have too much for Norwich to handle, and I, they should. Even if it, even if it's just Rafinha, like he he can net two in this game, or Jack Harrison look good. Like there's plenty of guys here that can go go forward for them. Um, if Bielsa was still manager, I would question this game actually a lot more. I'm not saying Marsh is some amazing tactical genius, but that like Mike said earlier, it was probably the perfect word. That was the most stable Leeds defense we've seen in a very long time. Granted, did they get carved up finally on one on one possession? Yes, but. Bielsa is coaching that game. I feel like they lose 3-0. Yeah. Probably. Well, um, so against Norwich, I think they'll be too compact and too good for Norwich defensively to actually be able to score on them, unless it's Josh Sargent, obviously. And <laughs> yeah, I think Leeds takes all three points. Steve, you, you did make a good point, though, with uh, Bamford. Marsh said that we can expect to see him get some minutes on Thursday. Really? In this match. Yeah, he, he said specifically he's in training. He's looking fit. Obviously, we want to get him up to speed as quickly as possible. Um, but we Jeez. should be able to rely on him in these last 11 games. So we should see a return from him and maybe maybe back to goal scoring. 
if he starts putting in goals, then keep they're automatically up. Yeah. I mean, he did both yeah. last year. He was like, obviously goals, like he's one of the top yeah. scorers in the league. I think he was fifth or something. He was up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Almost to the golden boot race. Like the last couple last days of the season. Um, but he, he assisted just, just as many. He was massively important for them overall. And to take away, I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm guessing 20, 20 goals created at least. Uh, between the two, absolutely. Yeah, maybe 25. Like, yeah, that that's you're missing a very, very important player up front for them. Um, so, but regardless, they should have too much to get past a Norwich team like that. Um, also towards the bottom of the table, Everton's hosting Wolves. They've had the been the joke of a lot of bad results lately. Like bad, bad results. Yeah. Wolves <laughs> coming off a very rough two-week stretch some tough losses as well do we do we see either one right the ship here is just does this just have like nil nil written all over it i think wolves probably win say i i guess i, I want to say one nil but <laughs> I, I honestly think they could put up two versus 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 everton whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> calm it down a little bit here man calm it down yeah. Uh, sure you want to say that? You want to go on the record? Yeah, I'll go on the record and say a Wolves 2 Wow. I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw, actually. I think it's going to be kind of a bit of a shootout. Obviously, really? you no know, Wolves have slipped up, slipped up, and they like to play these low-scoring games on both ends because they don't let in goals, but they also don't score a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Everton makes you wonder who you're going to get each day of the week. Every time they step on the field, you don't know if you're going to get you know, a game where they can hold Manchester City to almost a draw in 90 minutes or an absolute ass-kicking by Spurs. So, so it's a tough pick, but away from home, you know, they're back on Merseyside. I I like – I like. It hey, they, have, they have to respond after – I think the, they will. I think they, they will. have to respond. Yeah. I, I, I think – look, I know that results haven't been there for Everton – I know they're still they're still losing games, but I think to Lampard taking taking over, I've seen a I've seen better performances from them week on week out than I was seeing in the previous manager. Do you agree? Mm. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it's not necessarily the manager, but I think it's more the players. I think it's a yeah. culture thing at this point. They're so down deep right now. It's like what the like, one, I feel like one guy has come out of there and just like just and just carry them through at this point. Like someone like, I mean, people are calling for Deli Ali and everything, but you got what's his, what's the striker's name? I'm drawing the biggest blank. Calvert, Calvert Lewin, Calvert Lewin. Um, it's just it's just a mess. But put the, imagine Demar Gray wasn't absolutely murdering it the first like five games of the season. Like where would Everton be right now? Like they, they have three, less, they have three less wins, two less yeah, wins. Let's so go like, yeah. They would be if, if that wasn't the case, if they didn't get off to the start they did, they would be bottom of the table. Or at you least know, like, a couple it, points. No, they would they, yeah, they'd be dead bottom, dude. Like they're only five points ahead of, of Norris. Like it's we keep saying, keep saying like, yo, they're not that bad, they're not that bad, they're too talented, they're too talented. But like when does it get to a point where it's like it don't matter? Like you you're in a dog fight now, man. Like it's uh we should have Jake back on the podcast. He, he's he'd have an absolute ball. I think he'd have an aneurysm. Already <laughs> <laughs> did. I we we'd be bonding over mutual misery of Chelsea being sold to the Jets and Everton playing the way they are right now. It's it's tough, man. It's. Do you think? Because you're right, Steve. We keep saying it. We keep saying that there's too much talent. Do you think there's really a possibility they go down right now? Because a thousand, every a thousand week, percent I keep at this, more at this and point, more and more worried. A thousand percent, like mathematically speaking, yeah. There's mathematically, a... yeah. But the, the, I mean, I mean in my head, it makes no sense. Think about it. Over the course of eleven games, do you think you're not going to get three wins? Three wins would probably save them in those. I think maybe like the, a draw or two mixed in. I think if they do go down, it would be debatably the most talented team to ever get relegated. Oh, in a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, I would definitely say the Premier League era, at least yeah. since like '92. But, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I, we don't have any all every single roster in front of us, but 
it's hard to disagree with that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, listen, my head says everything like is like everyone else. It's like this makes zero sense. But then you watch them play, and you're like, if you all right, if you just took the, the names off the back of the jerseys, would you say they're a relegation team? No, never in a million years. If if I didn't know who the players were and I was just yes, watching them, saying. yes. Oh, I, yeah, I would. I, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, sorry, I, I misunderstood what you said. Then, yeah, obviously, yeah, of course. Yeah, a thousand percent. I would think they just right? got promoted last year. Yeah, actually, it's, it's a good point. <laughs> Even this year, um, I think Wolves take the points. It's just, I mean, they have Newcastle coming up, which are on a roll, not a, not a guaranteed game. Um, then they run into West Ham, Man U, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Chelsea, Fuck. and that leads them in, then into May, Leicester, Brentford, Arsenal. Oh. You're talking about three wins. Find three wins on there the way they're playing. I don't see it, and that's scary. I can only think of two wins that are still going to be tough, and that's Brentford and Crystal Palace from that list that you just said. And that's depending on what Crystal Palace comes that day. It, you imagine at least a draw minimum from, from them and their perspective. You, if, you're, if you're Everton right now, you need to go yeah, look yeah, at Burnley and go, what the fuck are you guys doing to be a compact defense and hit on counters just to pull out draws because that's what they need to be doing. Yeah. What, like we what like we've always been saying, are the teams below them going to win enough games to get ahead of them still? I think Burnley. I in, in my in my eyes, it's a three team race for the last spot right now. It's Burnley, Leeds, and Everton. Fuck. I think Brentford has just enough because they they had a, such a great start this season. I think they have just enough and a decent enough schedule to where they get that three wins, mm-hmm. so they basically propel them out of, out of that situation. That'd be a dark day. I, I mean, you mean. I don't, I'm not enjoying this by any means. I don't mind Everton in the Premier League by any means. Like, I don't care. But that'd be gnarly to watch them go down. Yeah. Like, I know, like, no one saw that one coming. Like, what, two years ago, you're saying they're pushing for, like, a top four spot? Or, like, not, like, necessarily, like, there, but, like. They, they should be challenging for the, like, seventh and sixth Europa, place. Every Europa League. Yeah, when Charleston yeah. was being linked with a move to Real Madrid, now he's being moved, uh, linked with a move to Derby County. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, Derby, 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 not, Derby, County, is, Derby County's on the way up right now. They're looking good. Derby County's in relegation zone because they've gotten 21 points deducted from them. <laughs> but if they didn't get 21 points deducted, they'd be looking good. They'd still be on the table. <laughs> Everton's going to replace Derby County, and Derby County's going to replace somebody else in the bottom. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I to me, they're in a three dog race right now, and it, until they start winning games and proving otherwise, it doesn't. It logically, if it doesn't look right, but that's the situation we're currently in. So, yeah. good luck again. Um, last game, I kind of want to touch upon real quick. Just West Ham, Ashton Villa. I think it's a pretty good one. Two teams inconsistently is all hell. Um, West Ham really need a win. Ashton Villa just right right at their season a little bit with the four and one over Southampton. Um, we expected more from them, obviously. Both teams, realistically. But Aston Villa, I feel like that was everyone's dark horse to kind of make a uh, push for Europe, and they really just haven't really seen that too much. Uh, so, kind of your guys' take on that one a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Villa looked really good in their last win. Obviously, Felipe Coutinho had had a, a brilliant game, like you expect them to have. Apparently, this guy just loves the Premier League. Um, Great signing for them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, this is this is going to be honest. I think this is probably going to be. Outside of United Spurs, just because of the size of those clubs, I think this is probably your game of the week. I think you have two teams that want to come out and play their brand of football, and it's going to be attacking and expansive. And you've got a couple brilliant players on on each side that can make something out of nothing, you know. And it's going to be just a fun game to watch. This is going to be one of those games. I think that's just going to be purely a shootout, and whichever player can inspire a bit of magic in a moment. Is gonna is gonna be the turning point for this match. Like who who could pull it out of their hat, you know? Um, with that said, obviously West Ham have a lot more riding on this than Via than Aston Villa do. So if you see an early goal from the villains, I think you can expect West Ham to push the tempo pretty hard to try to find an equalizer, which might open them up to some counterattack. Yeah, it's gonna be a good game. Also, you get to watch Moyes v Gerard, Everton Ooh. v Liverpool. So a little bit of extra oomph in the game. So storyline right itself. United versus Liverpool. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Any anything else, fellas? 
No, not for me, man. It, this is obviously there's a lot of a lot of games going on, a lot of good games, but um, there's this is going to be a week where mostly you're going to be looking towards the performances of the teams at the bottom of the table, what they can what they can muster up and try to get themselves away from that relegation zone. I think. I agree. It, we might even see teams separate or just get dragged right back into it even harder, and it could be it could be a hell of a ride. Yep. Oh, you know, actually, I, I did have one thought actually. For a while, Chelsea were kind of t- t- uh, teetering on the edge, right? They've always been in third place, mostly because they've had more games played than every team every team below them. But with the given performances from United and West Ham and everyone else, it seems like a bit of a gap has appeared between that third and fifth to keep them in the Champions League spots. Do you think they're secured in the top half, of the top four spots at this point? Chelsea? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're secured, but I wouldn't say they're secured in third. I think with the games in hand and the fact that Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken, has to play them again, right? I think there's a possibility Arsenal could jump in that third spot the way they're playing. I would agree. Chelsea wins that game. I am much, much more confident than qualifying. With everything going on at the club right now, you know, players not performing up to standards. Granted, they are getting a lot healthier, which is huge for them. Um, Actually, speaking of Chelsea. Think about it this way. They're six points ahead of fifth place right now with two games at hand. And the next two games for Chelsea are both against Newcastle and another relegation team. Norwich. Forget, forget, Norwich. No. So when you think about it like that, if you were to take those into account, you're talking about closer to a 10-point gap, you know? Potentially, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike already answered this on Twitter. Reese James doesn't get hurt. Are Chelsea title contenders? No. No, no. In the race. No. no, I think they're challengers for second place. Kind of where Liverpool are right now, but a little bit behind them where they're same, same situation as Liverpool and city where Liverpool are clipping on like clipping at their heels a bit, but just aren't there the same way that Chelsea would be clipping at Liverpool's heels, but still about four or five points off the pace. Okay. I think Reese James is a great player, but I don't think he's enough of a player at an impact position where he's going to affect a title race. I think if Chilwell uh, and Reese James don't get hurt, though, maybe, potentially. Either has, he has either four or five goals and then at least five assists. I would disagree with that statement, not being a playmaker. He doesn't get injured. I'm not saying he's not a playmaker. I'm saying Chelsea. he's not making the impact that someone in, like, a 10 role would have or someone farther up the field. That's my opinion. I know I understand the importance he plays in that system and the why and the wingbacks do in Tuchel's system. I get it, but I don't know if he's gets them close enough to to be to Vito's point right at the with how much he fell shoulder off, to shoulder for City. With how much the team fell off though when he was out, that's that's what that's the only reason why I pose that question. The amount of points they started dropping into teams they shouldn't have dropped to when he was out of the roster, like out of the squad. Look, versus they, when he's in there, what they look like. I don't know. Debatable. Really, the difference between this, the title race and uh, between City and Liverpool and Chelsea at this point is the draws. Liverpool have lost one less game than Chelsea, right? No problem. There are the same amount of losses for City and Chelsea. Really, the difference is the draws. Eight for Chelsea, three for City. I think if Reese is in that lineup, he probably could help keep change that eight to maybe a five, probably a six. So you're talking about maybe a four-point swing. I don't think it's enough to put them back in the title race. I think both wingbacks getting injured, if they were healthy the entire season, would only change the picture. That's fair. Fits the system. I mean, the biggest game for them, the reason they got knocked out of the title race is really the loss to Man City. They win that game. They're like a couple points back with the game in hand. So that was what that to me, that was like their turning point. They win that game. Liverpool City are about equal on points with games in hand. Yeah, that's like that would like Definitely two team race, obviously, but then they're like an outside third, even so. Yep. We'll see. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, United States men's national team, and the Barclays Premier League. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with Vito and Mike, signing off. <laughs>